Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders. Across from me is Paul Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Oh, and I have a really good one today. All right. And you've probably heard it. Haram it, uh, is from the, uh, King's harem. Yeah. It's So this is haram, and it means something that's dedicated to something. Okay. So a haram can be dedicated to a king. So he has a harem. It has a little different pointing, but it's the same re- related yeah. word. Yeah. But this, it often means devoted to destruction. Do you remember mm. uh, Jericho? was the first city they came into, and it was haram. It was devoted to God wow. for destruction. Okay. Uh, put under a ban to give something to God. All right? And in 34, verse 2, it uh-huh. says, For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations, and his wrath against all their enemies. He has utterly destroyed them. That's our word. Uh, he has given them over to slaughter. Wow. So it's dedicated to destruction, basically. Well, let me ask you something. This is making me think a little bit about, this is a little bit of a language question. I probably should know the answer already since I took (laughs) you for Hebrew. That's right. So as you have the the definition up here, it's kind of in a verb form, but it also takes kind of, it can be used like a, or the root can be used to, as like a noun or even as an adjective, it sounded Um, like maybe? In Hebrew, without, with different pointings, Mm -hmm. it usually makes it a noun and often Hebrew has three um, three root radicals basically. Yeah. So the root radicals will be basically the same, but you can put different pointing on it, and it'll have slightly different nuances. And one can be a verb, one can be a noun. Yeah, um, those will shift around. Yeah. Okay. So so basically, you can make a noun out of that word by putting sigils under it. Yeah. Yeah. And so so in our verse thirty four two, when it says like it's translated, he has utterly. Yes. Destroyed. So it's kind of like takes almost a past tense kind of meaning here, but it's. Yes. And, and it's because it's the verb form and it's yeah. in a perfect form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's great. Okay. Okay. So, well, let's get into the text. So that and that gives you some hint oh, of what yeah, this yeah, passage yeah. is going to be tell about. Me, tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's look at the big structure a minute. Okay. Um, remember, we had the little apocalypse on the other side of our palistrophe. That's right. This one is matching it. And I, and I, I, when I first looked at this, I couldn't figure out why do we got two passages that both are talking about this future time? Hmm. And then I, I think I realized that it has this palistro structure and, and so it balances each other. And remember last week we talked about the middle section, which was that, that really big section that had those woe oracles balanced by the restoration. Right. So that's in the middle. And now we're going outside of that again, or on the other side. And now we've got our, our, Final judgments and and restoration. So what we went over last time was Isaiah twenty eight to thirty three. Mm-hmm. That all matches up. And basically, what you're saying is this: what we're going over today, Isaiah thirty four thirty five, it corresponds to Isaiah twenty four to twenty seven. Yes. Right. That's yep. the kind of connection we're seeing. Yep. The little apocalypse, as we called it. Yep. Yeah. And then remember that also means that the outside ones match, but it's As unusual well. how it matches. Do you remember mm. my thing was the oracle to the uh, Assyrians was the smallest one in yeah. chapter fourteen? Yeah, and I think it's the most important because it actually is in it. It says this has already happened, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing that God's going to do to the rest of the nations right. if they disobey God. Right, and so so the Assyrians are talked about here. We're going to talk about God's punishment of the Assyrians later. So that's how those two match. Yeah, yeah. 
And so for today, for 34 and 35, yeah, that uh, does that a thematic kind of match up with the little apocalypse? Actually, um, is there textual things yeah. that are kind of similar across the two, or is it well, mostly it's pretty much themes? Okay, both of them talking about the future. Now, it's it's got uh, most scholars call it a diptych pattern, okay. and what it means is that in 34 and 35, yeah, yeah, that 34 is talking about the destruction, uh-huh. 35 is talking about the restoration, and so in that sense, they they. They parallel each other, uh-huh. and they're they're just opposite, but they're but they match each other in that everything's talking about the destruction in the one and restoration in the other, and so they they pull it together and use it. They call it a diptych pattern, yeah. and and basically it's like an ancient writing tablet hmm. where they have wax inside. They take the little pen and mark, you know, they they write inside there. Then they close it, send it to the receiver and he opens it up and he can read what's been scratched into the the wax yeah then what happens is they take something hot smooth it over he can write his letter fold it back up and send it to the 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 guy or the, the whoever the original, he wants. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so that's how they worked, and and it's called a diptych pattern because they have two matching sides i see yeah so in real life there is this kind of device yeah that also is called a diptych that's yeah. where it, okay yeah well, and, it's called uh, it's a Roman tablet, but yeah, but, yeah. but it's it's they call it they describe it as a diptych. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And in this metaphorically, as we describe it, yeah. we're really saying like there's these two chapters, I guess, or sections, you know, that really correspond directly one yeah. back and forth. Yeah, but almost opposite ways. Yes, is that kind of how they relate to each other? Yeah, yeah. It's still talking about the whole world, those kind of things. It's uh-huh. still talking about a future time. But one's judgment, one's restoration. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get into it. All right. If we look at verses one and two, draw near, O nations, O to hear, listen, O people, let the earth and all that it contains here, and the earth uh, here, and the world and all that springs from it, for the Lord's indignation is against all the nations. I was going to use that word indignation mm. uh, as our Hebrew word yeah. for the day, but it's just the word wrath or anger or oh, something okay. like that. So it, it wasn't as yeah. interesting as I thought that yeah. word harem was. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> for his wrath is against their enemies, and and he uh, he has utterly destroyed them. There's our word, and that's it, haram. Yeah. yeah. And he has given them over to slaughter so that the slain will be thrown out. The corpses will be give off their stench and the mountains will be drenched with their blood. This, this is really gory, yeah. but it's talking about the destruction that God's going to pour out on them. Yeah. So that's how it starts. And, and you can see, I, I've called it major destruction because it's, right. it's wiping out the whole world, it sounds like. And he is just, just slaughtering them, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Then in verse five, he even talks about the heavens. So look at what it says in verse five. For my sword is satiated in the heaven. And behold, it is descended from judgment upon Edom and upon the people that I have devoted to destruction. There's that mm. word again, Aram. Oh, um, really? Devoted he, to destruction? Oh, yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Um, but, but so he's, he's talking about he's, he's done his slaughtering up in the heavens, and then he's going to do, do it down in Edom. Do you remember um, we had a passage in the Little Apocalypse mm-hmm. that talked about he's going to judge the people the in the heavens yes, or the right. hosts of heavens right. and on the earth, the kings yeah. on the earth? Yeah. I think this is matching that same yeah. kind of thing. Right. So, so we, so it's saying there's going to be judgment throughout his whole creation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then verse eight, for the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. 
Now, two things I want to point out. Notice that it's only a day of vengeance. That's mm. a shorter time than the year of recompense. Okay. So, so I think it's nice to know that God's judgment is temporary. His, his uh, day of recompense is, is a lot longer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then notice it says for the cause of Zion. So that suggests that it's, it's happening for Zion's benefit, you know, because God wants them to be blessed. So, yeah. so this is a judgment or recompense because of what people have done to them. So that's, that's given us some help to know what this whole thing is about. But notice also uh, in that verse we read in verse five, notice it's pointing out Edom. Right, yeah, it is specific. Yeah, so I think we talked about this before. Moab and Edom are two of the kind of classic enemies of yeah, God's people. Yeah. yeah, and so last time Moab was being wiped out, this time Edom is being wiped out. And, and I think, I, I think there's some logic into, as to why these countries were chosen. Remember, they were they were related to Israel, and yet mm. didn't treat Israel well. Yeah, and so I think that's probably what's going on. So it's it's the idea that you should have favor or or kindness toward your relative, but you don't. Yeah, and I think that's why these two specific countries have been picked out to be punished severely. And is Edom filling in? Is this kind of? I think so. Yeah, like I think it's not only. Edom we're talking about in a way, they're kind of almost, picture. yeah, right. And, and I think you, you got that because remember when the judgment was talked about, it was on the whole earth. Yeah. Well, Edom doesn't live everywhere. Right. And so I think that's how we know that it's got to be a kind of figurative of more than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's the first part. Then uh, we get to verse uh, 16 and 17. Oh no, we skipped all the animals. Oh, well, go ahead and let's, we can talk about them. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Uh, I just thought it was interesting, starting in verse 11 through 15, really right before we get here, there, yeah. there's just a ton of animals that get referenced in here, and they're so specific. Yeah. Like Almost pelican, yeah, hedgehog. I've got a hedgehog in here, yeah. owls and ravens, ostriches, yeah. so, and a hairy goat. Yeah, yeah. That's always a great addition <laughs> that comes up from time to time. And so, I know you were going to ask yeah. me about that night monster. Yeah, and there's a night monster is listed in here as well. <laughs> So I guess let's keep the night monster question. Oh, as okay, a hang specific on. One. One. Yeah, let's get that. But I, I, I wanted to know like how specific. What, what's happening when we're seeing all these animals in this passage? Yeah, are are they? Do, is there really like a Hebrew word for hedgehog, or is that kind of just somehow some kind of reference like a ground creature or something like that? Yeah. Well. I think they're trying to be as specific as they can. Now, first of all, we're in poetry. So mm -hmm. so what they're doing is they're just heaping up the different names. Yeah. And some of these, we have no idea what the, the animals are, but they can get pretty specific. Like, mm. like when they go through the words, sometimes they can tell it dwells on the ground and it dwells in bushes. Or um, okay. if it's a bird, it it flies in the sky and it's it it lives in a tree and stuff like that. So yeah. so it can narrow down some of the parameters on some of these words. So so they're probably fairly close to what they are, but we might not have the exact animal. Yeah. And really it probably doesn't matter because what it's getting at is most of this is is talking about these are wild animals that are going to come and live in a place that's been destroyed. Yeah. And so that's that's the real thing it's getting at. Yeah. But I think most of these they they can get pretty narrowed down and and get pretty close. Now, until we get to that yeah, night, monster. The night monster. Yeah. <laughs> that, that night monster. It's built off the word lila for night. 
And in, in fact, that's basically what it says, the, the night. And so they have to figure out, okay, what's, what's it getting at? So I, I'm not sure night monster is the best yeah. translation, but yeah. some kind of a creature of the night okay. or some animal that dwells in the night is probably just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's really a, a creature, I have no yeah. idea, or a monster, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, now that I've we've taken my excursion, <laughs> all right, we can get back to where you were headed. All right, let's go to verses 16 and 17, because it's got some interesting things. Look what it says. Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these will be missing. None will lack its mate, for it's, his mouth has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. So the first thing I, was, I wanted to point out is when it says, from the book of the Lord. So... It actually knows that this is going to be recorded and so that, it, and it knows it's going to be in the book of the Lord so that they can actually go back and check it in time when, when the, when this starts to happen, they can actually see it and yeah. actually say, oh, God knew about this before it actually happened. Huh. So I think that's what that's getting at. So when it says seek in the book of the Lord, so go back to where it's been recorded. And he says, and that not a, um, a mate is going to be missing. So he says, I, I think what it's getting at is that it's happening exactly how God had, pr had told oh, you it was going to happen. So I it's, see. Yeah, so it's real it's specific complete. in saying, yeah, that, that there's not a, a, an element of it that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's intended to be that specific on that. Yeah. And then the second part, and he casts a lot for them and his hand is divided to them by line. And so we're wondering, well, what's this cast them a lot and, and by line? Well, the next verse kind of helps let you know what that means or the next part of it. They will possess it forever from generation to generation. They shall dwell in it. Remember back at that time when they, they drew lots for land? And so um, the Israelites, remember when the land was divided up to remember that's how they got it yeah. is they cast lots and then they knew who who got what land, and, you know, who was the next one to do, to get yeah. land. And I think that's what's going on here. I think they're saying that he cast lots for them. So he's given them a specific land and they're going to they're going to get it. And then it talks about he's he's divided it to them by line being measured out so that they know exactly what area they get. And once again, that would be like back in the, uh, Israel's time when they measured out the land that people owned, they would, they would, you know, almost, almost like we do today, they would put markers on the edge. So you'd yeah, know, you know where what, the boundary yeah. line is. And then remember it was a, it was one of the biggest curses in the old Testament is for people that moved boundary markers. Mm. And that's throughout the ancient Near East. There's, there's always curses on the, people that move boundary markers because that's something that's like, that's basically like, like stealing land, right? Right. You're going out and you, let's say your boundary Which is marker passed is down here. to your family yeah. and like, it's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So you had a boundary marker there. If you moved it, that means you've got less land now. Somebody else has more. Yeah. So it's like stealing your land. That was actually in my Old Testament class. I didn't have you for Old Testament. Oh. I had oh. Dr. Arbino. Oh, okay. But he said that, he said, when we, you read Genesis, something that like, Probably modern readers don't always think about, but a good yeah. question to ask is like, what's happening with the land? Who's yeah. inheriting the land? Who gets it? Yeah. That's a good thing that shows up a lot. And so like, if you're not looking for it, you may you miss it. just throw it away or kind of think like, I don't know, I don't get it, or this doesn't yeah. really mean anything to me or my life right now. Yeah. But that's a key question. And that's, I think it's very important to keep that in mind. You yeah. know, that's, of course, would be vital <laughs> for your family wealth that's and right. well-being and, you Exactly. Know, yeah. You could starve if you didn't have right. the right amount of land. Yeah. 
So, so this is a resetting of that in a way, do you think? Or it's no, kind of like this is the future? Yeah, and, and it, it's just talking about that the world is going to be given over to, remember, he's going to destroy it. Yeah. That means the wild animals are going to take over at it. Oh, so I that's see. basically, and, and that's, you know, it says from generation to generation, they'll dwell in it. So that means it's going to now be, that punishment is going to exist wow. for a long time. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's the judgment part. Yeah. Okay? So now the next part is in chapter 35. That's the restoration part. Mm. Okay? And it's it's specifically to Zion. And we need to talk about that a minute. Um, but let's, let's read it first. Um, so in verse 35, 1, it says, The wilderness and the desert will be glad. The Araba will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. And it will blossom profusely, rejoice in, with rejoicing, and shout with joy. Oh, let me just stop. I know you're going to ask me, is that crocus really a crocus? <laughs> 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 um, and the answer to that is, I don't know. Uh, there's some translation that call it, talk about it being a wild rose or something like that. Okay. What we do have are the areas, wilderness, desert, Araba. Remember the Araba was oh. the, the southern yeah. part of Israel that was the dry part. But it's saying that it's going to uh, rejoice and blossom like yeah. the crocus. So it means if you were in Israel today in that Araba area, it's like, sand and rocks that's it that's it yeah but what this is saying is that there's going to come a time when that's going to blossom profusely yeah. so that's part of that image of a restoration yeah okay all right uh the glory of lebanon will be given to it the majesty of carmen now remember lebanon was always thought with with the cedars the trees, of lebanon right? and all that yeah. yeah so it was always thought to be very productive and beautiful and stuff like that so the glory of lebanon will be given to it the majesty of carmel on sharon now remember carmel is using mount carmel mm -hmm. and mount carmel has got trees and stuff like that on it. so so it's saying this this dry land is going to Blossom forth because if it takes the glory of Lebanon, it's yeah a producer. It produces yeah, yeah. trees and that are be of high value and yeah yeah uh, along the coast is the plain of Sharon mm -hmm. and that always gets the rain first. So it oh, as it comes across, yeah. it's getting the rain. Yeah. So so it's the, it's it's a beautiful picture of just talking about how blessed this and how restored this land is going to be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now so that's the first part, and then look at verse three and four. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those anxious of heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and recompense for God, uh, for God will come, but he will save you. Here's the part. So, so remember earlier, vengeance was on their enemies and the world and all that. But God's going to, even though that vengeance is coming, He's going to save his people. Mm. So that's where this restoration. So you, you've got the the land blossoming, his people being protected. So that's that's yeah. basically what it's trying to tell you. And then verse uh, 4 through 10 is just a beautiful picture of that. So I'll start at verse 5. Then the, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Araba. And scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. So you can see what's happening. All these things that were a mess or destroyed or stuff like that, now it's going to be restored. And, and I think it's it's beautiful, not only the land, but the people too, because mm. the blind are going to be able to see. Yeah, that's true. The, right. The lame are going to leap for joy like a, a deer. Yeah. Those kind of images are now being brought forward to explain what the, what's going to happen to this. Yeah. It's okay? a total 
Yeah, reversal and yeah. and and look at verse six. A highway will be there, a roadway. It would be called the highway of holiness. So that gives you another idea. Once again, I'm sure it's an image, but it's talking about that the righteous people are going to be there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and look, look, look at verse nine. No lion will be there, nor any vicious beast will go on it. There will not be found there, but the redeemed will, wa will walk there. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy. I don't know if you know that, but that's that, that's repeated twice. We're going to see it again in chapter fifty-one, eleven. Oh, that same exact refrain. Which part? What the um, uh... that that verse ten? And the ransom oh, of the Lord will return. Really? Yeah, the whole thing is is found in chapter or fifty one eleven. Also, no, I thought that was interesting because we've talked a lot about returns. Yeah, you know, people being yeah shipped off and then coming back. But this also seems like, I, well, maybe you can tell me then. Like, is this a specific kind of return and restoration, or is this a more big picture? I I think it's specific. I think it's going to happen. When the earth is get, uh, after the earth has been punished, and then it gets restored. So I yeah. think it's given us that structure, and then after that, the redeemed are coming back. Yeah. So remember, we kind of have that picture all the way through the Book of Isaiah yeah. that there's going to come a judgment, then there's going to be a restoration, and that restoration is going to be God's people, and He's going to take care of them. We had it, chapter two, chapter four. Both of those had that image of that future time. When yeah. God's going to restore. Now, what I think is interesting. Notice it. It talks about Zion, Jerusalem. Usually, when it's when we find that in the in the biblical text, and often in Isaiah, it's more talking about the political capital. Yeah. But when it's talking about Zion, it's talking about the religious capital. Yeah. And my understanding is what this is talking about is this is the people of God are going to return to Zion, meaning. To God, yeah. and He's going to be ruling over them. But it, it always is connected with Zion. So, even though the world is going to be destroyed, they're still going to go up to Zion and f return to Zion. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that that's where God will be. He'll be dwelling in Zion, but He's going to be dwelling over the whole world. Mm -hmm. So, so my guess is that if you wanted to go see where God was, or you wanted to go ask Him a question, you'd head to Zion. Yeah. Other than that, you're you're in a blessed world. So I would say that the blessing would extend to everywhere, you know, all over the creation. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, but I wanted to point out that almost always they're going to connect it with Zion. And that's giving mm. you the idea that this is God's restoration that he's, he's bringing out. Right. So, right. Well, we just made it through chapter 35. That's good. Yeah. 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 We've done a couple of really long episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to, we're trying to shorten them a little bit. But that was a pretty good chunk of scripture, I think, yeah. to hit. So what are we looking towards next time? Okay. Next time, we've got the last part. Oh, here, let me see if I can find our palistrophe. We've gotten all the way to the final restoration or judgment and restoration in 34 and 35. Then we go into the Isianic narratives. And remember, we already know it's going to talk about the destruction of Assyria. Yeah. And so it's centered in on 701 when God punished them. Okay. So that's what we'll cover next time. Okay, that's good. Chapter 36, 37, 38, and 39. Yep. That's some pretty good homework. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really good homework. Yeah. Let's focus on that for next time. 
Maybe I should ask, or yeah, have sure. you look at one more thing. Yeah, let's do it. There's a, there's actually, I, I call them a seam. Yeah, we haven't talked about seams for a little bit. Yeah, that's because this major section, you have one at the very end. Yeah. But this one, I think, is is one of the bigger seams. There's two places where you have these major seams. One's at the end of chapter 36 through 39, uh, what they usually call uh, the beginning, you know, Isaiah one through 39, which is often called first Isaiah. Yeah. Okay. I don't use that term because, but, yeah. but it, yeah. notice it's, notice it's, it's right at the end of that first section. Then the next one is going to be at the end of the second section. So that's going to have okay. another large seam in it. You'll still have the same ideas in it, but it's just going to be spread out through a bigger area. So the, 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 the you're still going to have a restoration uh-huh. going to have a wicked or the remnant saved and the wicked are going to be punished. Okay. So you still got that idea, but it's just sprayed out. And where do we need to be looking for that? Um, chapter 37, uh, is that right? Yeah. 37. We'll talk about the restoration because uh, okay. that's when God steps into the, 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 deliver them. Uh-huh. The wicked punished will be more towards the beginning at 36 talks. Uh, well, they're actually destroyed in 37 because that's when God sends his angel and they wipe out 185,000 oh, yeah, yeah. of the soldiers. Yeah. But it's it's ta- it's basically all the way from 36 on because it's talking about mm. here's the Assyrian boasting about how great he is and, and mocking their God. And then the answer is going to be 37, about 36 through 38, where yeah. God actually punishes them. Yeah. Yeah. All That's right, great. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. 36 to 39 for yep. the next episode. Read up, read well, and uh, be sure you join us next time as we continue to study Isaiah. Thank you. Thank you.